the War Nomads podcast. It's not your usual travel podcast. It's everything for the adventurous independent traveler. Well, welcome again to our podcast delivered by World Nomads, the travel lifestyle and insurance brand covering more than half a million travellers. It is nice to be with you. I'm Kim. And I'm Phil. And in this episode, we're exploring Germany. One of my favourite countries, Germany, after the US is the second most popular immigration destination and the most popular in the world for expats. And we'll actually catch up in this episode with an Aussie living and working in Berlin. In fact, a mate of uh, Phil's to find out what it's like. Yep. Uh, Germany, as we know, is also a world power with a very strong economy. It's a global leader in several industrial and tech sectors and the world's largest exporter and importer of goods with cars topping the list of exports. It also has a very high standard of living with social security and universal health care. Free health care, imagine that. Plus, you don't pay college fees. How good is that? And so I don't care about the economy stuff. I want to know about travelling to there. Yeah, you? exactly. Okay, well, we'll chat with Mez and Stefan from Rail. They're a provider of rail passes for the entire European continent. We'll touch a little on that. However, we chat specifically about travelling by rail in Germany and those must-see places. Then there's Freddie from ITB, who I thought was a man when I was... <laughs> Thanks, mate. You make that mistake often, <laughs> yes, mate. <laughs> I have. But it's short for Frederick, and she's a, a beautiful West Berliner. She works for ITB, the leading travel trade show in the world. In fact, it is the biggest in the world, and talks about the popularity of Germany and some places you wouldn't have thought of visiting. And Nomadic Matt, he's a blogger. He's a blogger of quite some note and an author who gave up his full-time job to travel the world. In the podcast series for World Nomads, we're meeting so many individuals and families who do this and it's so inspiring and so brave and but they do it and they all make money from yeah, it. Yeah, and the great thing about uh, Matt is he's the one that's inspired so many people. He's like the guru of this. Yeah. He's really amazing the content that he has on his site that really teaches people how they can do the same thing. It's fantastic. He's a great bloke. Well, he'll share his top five places to visit and his thoughts on Germans, which Stefan from New Rail will later respond to. But in each World Nomads podcast, we kick off with Phil's quiz question. Uh, the quiz question this week... <laughs> do you want me to clear my throat again? <coughs> <laughs> yeah. While well, we're doing a practice, Phil, Phil cleared his throat. Are you, you going to let that so, go? <laughs> so professional. Yeah, there yeah. we go. The quiz question this week, and if you're a regular moviegoer, you can probably guess the answer to this one. The Australian airline Qantas has released a list of its most watched in-flight movie of 2017. Do you know what the movie was? We'll find out at the end of the Absolutely. episode. But they have blockbusters, don't they? They do, they do. And if you, you know, watch the Academy Awards and the things like that, you might have an idea about one that's in the top three, but I think you'll be surprised by the number one most watched movie on Qantas. <laughs> Nomadic Matt is the New York Times best-selling author of How to Travel the World on $50 a Day. And as you mentioned, a lot of people have accessed uh, his advice for travelling uh, cheaper, longer and better. In fact, over one million will share um, his his site in our show notes. But I kicked off this conversation keen to know how this guy who just works so hard finishing his MBA just one day quit his office job and hit the road. Coincidentally... I uh, became nomadic Matt while I was in Thailand. And I say coincidentally because I'm here right now. Uh, I was on a two-week trip with my buddy Scott, and I met some backpackers. Uh, and I was enamored by their lifestyle and their, their ability to just be the master of their destiny, you know, captain of their ship. And so uh, being the impulsive Gemini that I am, I decided then and there to quit my job. I uh, finished my master's and traveled the world for a year. 
and I just never stopped. My book, How to Travel the World in $50 a Day, just came out in a third edition a couple of months ago, so it's super up-to-date and worth the read. And you can always find me on any social channel at Nomadic Map. Well, this particular podcast is, is about Germany, so let's pick your brains on Germany. For those listening, where would you suggest people visit? Well, I'm going to say Berlin, and I know everyone will say Berlin, but I'm going to say Berlin because I originally really disliked Berlin. There was something seedy that I just didn't like when I first went there. I love New York so much more. But over the years of subsequent visits, I've really gone to appreciate Berlin as just a very vibrant, entrepreneurial, arty like city. It's a place on the move. It's a mix of of cultures. There's a lot going on there, and I've grown to appreciate that a lot more in the last few years. I, I really like Hanover. It's a small little town in, in central Germany. Not much there. A couple of parks and canal and Really not much, but it's just nice and peaceful. Not a lot of tourists go there. So it's it's, a, it's an overlooked destination. Uh, the Black Forest has some amazing hiking. I mean, what I really love about Germany, you know, it's mid-middle of Europe. And there's just so much there. Uh, there's so much history, geography. There's so much I love. Um, but I would have to say, if I had to pick, say, a top five, it would be Berlin, Munich, Black Forest, Hanover, and the beach coasts, like up on the uh, sea. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, you've given us the your top five spots. What are some tips and advice for, for travelers that are heading to Germany? I think one thing to remember is that sometimes the Germans can come off as cold in the sense that, you know, they're – they're, the Germans are like a lot of Europeans are not like they don't just talk to strangers the way like an Italian would or someone from like Thailand or India or many other places in the world. So I think a lot of people like they get shocked by the German efficient mentality. But I think, you know, I mean, I like it because I'm used to um, grew up in New England and Boston where we kind of have that same like we're on the move, don't talk to me kind of culture, but don't take German seriousness as unfriendliness. Thank you, Matt. And we will touch on that perceived German seriousness with Stefan from Ural shortly, who is German and therefore very qualified to share his thoughts. And as I mentioned before, we caught up with Nomadic Matt. Uh, we'll have a link to his page in our show notes. Very, very thorough page and worth going over. The elephant in the room when you talk about Germany is... Berlin. It is now and always has been a kind of honeypot for adventurous young people interested in art and culture. Even in Germany's darkest days post-World War II, Berlin, despite being divided down the middle, remained a centre for thought, experiment and culture. Now, Germany is again the powerhouse economy of Europe. The country is reunited and a new prosperity reigns. So what is it about Berlin? Who doesn't want to go there and experience life there? 
Alex Guest has done just that, Annika Burgess, and I worked together at a talk radio program a few years back. I came to World Nomads. She went to Berlin. Who Welcome got... to the podcast, Arnie. Hi, Phil. <laughs> who got, who got this... the short straw? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so weird because we worked in radio and now here we are sitting on the other side of the microphone yeah. instead of behind the glass yelling at the people in here. Yeah, so. It feels weird, actually. It's usually <laughs> to be us. their talent. Yeah. Why did you go to Berlin? Why did you pick it? Uh, look, I left Australia in 2010. I'd always wanted to travel, so save some money and kind of did the whole going around Europe thing. Initially thought that I'd want to settle in London. I mean, I just wanted to base myself somewhere to keep on travelling, so yep. not do the kind of jump in and out of, of cities, but actually live somewhere so I could take it slow. Um, getting a visa in England wasn't so easy for the UK. And actually, I had a few friends in Berlin and had visited there, really enjoyed it, and getting a visa was much easier. So, right. Uh, that's kind of, yeah, so it was kind of circumstantial and then, yeah, got a bar job and continued doing exactly what I, what I had planned. So travelling around whilst working a bar, making a bit of money. And then seven years later, I'm still there. <laughs> and why wouldn't you be? Berlin, I, I just fell in love with it when I went there. It's oh, yeah. the, the arty side of it in particular. It's, I think it's got more museums and more um, of those cultural things yeah. <laughs> than most well, And that's the, the thing, world. Because, yeah. because you work there in the, in the arts field there. Is that right? Yeah, I, I'm working for a design studio. I started off as a freelance journalist and yeah actually I was writing for an, an um, English publication there doing their theatre writing so yeah. going to a lot of shows I mean the dance scene like theatre dance is yeah. fantastic um, some of the best kind of up and coming choreographers in, in Europe or around the world all flock there because there's great funding there's so many spaces as yeah. you're saying it's not just museums it's theatres there's just opportunity and yeah it's cheap to do this stuff yeah i mean a lot of artists this is why they go there because they can afford to explore and, and and make new shows and content without the the money woes yeah so when you first went there to go and visit your friends what what were your first impressions um you could do whatever you wanted <laughs> <laughs> there Book me a ticket now <laughs> zero rules and regulations is that Unlike right here. it's really yeah it's just relaxed i mean if you want to kind of stay out drinking in a park until the sun goes down and hang out with mates there, you can without, you know, feeling like you're restricted. And it, there's just, yeah, a, a lot more opportunity um, and, and a lot more vibrancy. It, everything's different, you know. Yeah. You, I find, I, don't, I hate making the comparisons, but you find a lot of the bars and stuff in, in Sydney are all very similar. Yeah. Um, but there you can just find your place if you like this kind of music or that kind of music or... You know, you kind of find your little tribe, um, which is, I think, yeah, one thing that really stands out. It's, it's the diversity, yeah. for sure. Look, there's two sides to every city. There's the one that's on show to the tourists when they turn up, and, and then there's one that everybody lives in, all right? So talk about, I mean, you, once you've seen the Brandenburg Gate and Checkpoint Charlie, what do you do next? What is there? What would you, if somebody came to visit you, what would you go and do to help them get under the skin and really understand the place? You have to get a bike and you would like that feel. Yep, totally. <laughs> it's very, very bike friendly. I mean, we cycle everywhere and there's cycle paths, you've got your own little traffic lights. So you just have to get on a bike and explore. Um, and there's a lot of fantastic parks, um, open spaces. I live right near Tempelhofer Feld, which is an old airport that's no longer in use and it's such an incredible space. It's just this big open expansion. They tried to um, build on there and everyone put, uh, petitioned against it because people are just using that space for everything. So wow. it's 
going down the runway on these kind of windsurf skateboard things oh, and right. there's like communal gardens and places where people take little barbecues and grill and yeah just riding your bike along that runway or past there is just so like such a great atmosphere so it's this sort of stuff so it's like get on your bike and actually see the city so uh, if somebody goes i'm definitely going to go to berlin and i'm going to check it out couple of days, couple of weeks. What do you think? Ooh, couple um, of years. Couple of years. Look, it yeah. depends if you're into the whole nightlife thing, because um, obviously there's that a lot of that. Um, so if you're going out at night and sleeping in during the day, then you might want to give yourself a couple of weeks so you can balance it out. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, I was saying to myself, do I want to bring up the whole Berlin nightlife thing? Because I was a bit apprehensive even initially when you asked me to do the yeah. podcast. I was like, oh. If I was listening to someone do a podcast about Berlin, I would be rolling my eyes the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Come on. The whole, like, "Mm, the cool side of things, you know? But, um, I mean, you have to do it. Come on, spill the beans. Come on. Tell us about the nightlife. Come on. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying, there's, like, zero rules and regulations. You can kind of find your place and be out all night and there's lots of – it's like a playground. Do you think you'll ever come home? I mean, you're on a visa, you're probably going to have to do, but do you want to come home? Yes, it crosses my mind a lot, actually. Seven years is a long time to live abroad, but I'm really glad I've had that experience. I think everyone should really do it. It's, I mean, the main thing I find, actually, from living in Berlin isn't even necessarily about what you're doing. It's just seeing that there are other sides to life that you can live. You don't have to own a property. You don't have to be married by a certain age. You, can, you don't have these expectations on you, and you can really kind of explore yourself and explore what you want to do with your life. Um, yeah, without society telling you how to live. Okay, well, that was our chat with Arnie, who, by the way, happens to be super cool. Is there a way, way, and I'm I'm guessing email is probably best, can you just ask her where she got that jumpsuit she wore? She's very cool. She looks very Berlin. She does. She's quite tall as well and and very good looking, and she can get away with a pantsuit like I can't. (laughs) And, Phil, I did think you lingered a little long on the the hug. (laughs) (laughs) Jokes, we went We went through a lot together. Don't you worry about that. Last year, three winners from the 2017 Balkans Travel Writing Scholarship won a 15-day URail pass to be used on their writing road trips, not to be sneezed at. So we thought this podcast on Germany was a really good chance to catch up with Mez and Stefan from URail to find out what rail travel in Germany is like and places to visit, and Stefan kicks off the chat. I think that the German um, the German rail network is, is in an ex- excellent condition. There are in, in intercity express trains, um, taking you pretty much through the whole country in, in, in five hours. But uh, at the same time, you're also able to take some of these regional trains that take you to pretty much every smaller place uh, you would like to go to. And especially for adventurous travelers, that's quite a nice opportunity to to also go to um, get to, to national parks or to um, out, out into the, the countryside, basically. The thing is, Germany is such a diverse country, so there, there's yeah, lots of things that you can do. Um, if you want to if you want to go hiking, there's the, the black forest. You can go into the into the Alps. Um, uh, if you want to go to cities, there are cities like Leipzig that are for, for example nowadays considered the small version of berlin um, a lot of art a lot of culture happening uh, young people moving in from all all kind of uh, parts of life um, if you want to go to some some water bodies we have the lake constant in the south uh, the biggest lake of germany beautiful you can cycle around you can go hiking there are the rivers like the rhine or the moselle where you can um, 
yeah, go by bicycle, go on the river itself with a boat that is actually discounted by our passes. Yeah, there are lots of opportunities. I could go on for ages. Mez, what about you? What do you think the advantages of travelling throughout Germany by rail are? Well, you've got 47,000 kilometres of railway track, uh, not only just covering Germany, but connecting it to all the other countries around it. So you could start off in Berlin and Munich, come all the way across the country to Dusseldorf, which is one of the up-and-coming worldwide cities, um, and maybe step into the Netherlands and step back into Germany, head further south towards France and to uh, places like Korea, where there's lots of wine festivals. Um, and actually, Germany is well known for wine and beer. You've got Oktoberfest happening in uh, in September, which is always strange, but Oktoberfest starts in September. <laughs> so the ability to travel around and see all the different areas of Germany, all the different influences between the north and the south, the east and the west, there's such diversity with the people, with the traditions, with the food and with the drink. It's a great place just to experience a lot in one place. Um, yeah, I think I must mention already quite uh, quite a few of these points that it's just a really diverse country and it's interesting that it's one diverse country within this diverse continent of Europe and um, I just think the people are really nice. Um, also, um, if you're if you're interested in, in heading to Germany soon, the carnival season is about to start, uh, which is all about people going to the streets, having fun with each other, um, dressing up in all kind of costumes and it, it's happening in um in, in beginning of february in the carnivals we call them high castles of cologne and and mines so um if you're interested in visiting germany soon you better head to these two places yeah i, I think um if you're visiting europe and specifically germany ural is a an interior great way of really getting yourself into the nitty-gritty of, of a country and essentially creating your own adventure. Uh, flying into Frankfurt, you, have, you can jump straight onto the train uh, at, this, at the airport and explore Germany immediately. Then you can hop around into different countries and come backwards and forwards. Uh, the way the pass works, there's no limitations on um, how often you travel, just the number of days you travel, which is based on obviously the period that you buy. Um, and I personally find that uh, if you land in Germany, you get a great start of experiencing the initial part of Europe. But as you venture outwards, maybe towards Turkey or down towards France, Portugal, Spain, you get to then see the diversity of Europe. Um, it really is an amazing place. And I would recommend anyone who wants to come across and visit uh, to do it quickly. Okay, as mentioned earlier when chatting with Nomadic Matt, he made the comment, and look, he's not on his own with the sentiment, that Germans, as cool as the country is and the places are and how popular it is, they can be a little bit serious. Yeah, I've, I've got a nephew who lives over uh, in Cologne. Same thing. He said they've got very strict rules. You have to do it by the book. Yeah, well, we thought we'd ask Stefan, given that he's a German guy, for his thoughts. And uh, obviously, given that Mez was there too for the chat, what does he think about Germans and the idea that they're too serious? I love German people. I think they're very honest. They're very straight. Um, they are focused as well, you know, but you can have a good time with them. You can enjoy a laugh with them. Um, they understand what's happening in the world. Uh, they're not sheltered. Uh, that's a big testament to the education system there and the actual social uh, policies that they have in place. 
I, and I think if you're, if you're going to be stuck somewhere, be stuck with a German person. Um, I guess it could be true um, that we are serious, and I think it it has has to do with our past and that a lot has happened in the in the past. And um, Germans have this saying: "Never forget." And I think it's actually a quite good approach to dealing with your past. And, and Germans have dealt a lot with their past in the last um, decades. And um, uh, I think it's important to remember what has happened, but also be look look forward to the into the future and and be positive about it. And that's I think what Germans are. Nicely put, Stefan. Links to Eurail in our show notes. But Phil, I always look forward to this because it's so insightful. Travel news. What do you got for us? Uh, the Tourism Authority of an African nation is cashing in on President Trump's alleged commentary that's made the news with an online advert encouraging people to, and I'm quoting here, this is in quote, visit... Now, there are four asterisks. Hole. But you want me to say it, right? Yes, say it. Say okay. It. Visit shithole Zambia. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, the slogan goes on where the only stars and stripes you have to see are in the sky and on a zebra. Nice one, Zambia. Love it. Seriously, how quick are they? That's very great. good. Very good. How's about this for hospitality? A Spanish family on a long holiday in New Zealand have fallen foul of an Airbnb scam. The property they paid for didn't exist. So they found themselves in a suburb of Auckland called Takapuna uh, with no place to stay and $16,000 out of pocket. The family said they were about to turn around, go back to Spain, get back on the plane, go home. But the community heard about what had happened to them and they arranged another rental accommodation at a cheap rate, filled it with furniture for them and some people even turned up with home-cooked meals. That is so nice. But does, is that kind of thing covered by your insurance? Yeah, you probably, you'd have to take that up with Airbnb because, you know, that's it's criminal activity. Somebody's defrauded you there. And I know there's quite a lot of – well, not a lot – you hear a lot about that happening, but in comparison to the number of places that get rented out on Airbnb, it doesn't happen very much. But I know they're pretty good. You'd sort of get onto Airbnb yeah. about it. And I think, too, another rule is never pay cash. Yeah, you've got to stick within the system and all that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of rules that they have on their site, ways to try and avoid that. Yeah. I mean, it is why I've used Airbnb travelling, and you do go, hmm, is it going to be there when I show up? But I've never had any trouble. I got stiffed by Craigslist. moving on (laughs) moving on (laughs) travel guy behemoth Fodors has issued a list of 10 places to avoid in 2018 controversially in 7th place is Missouri, the entire state Uh, Fodor said, not everyone dies after an encounter, not everyone dies after an encounter with law enforcement, and we wouldn't suggest that, but there are so many negative outcomes that would indicate that there's some bias in the way that their laws are enforced, that we think that people have to be aware of the danger and, you know, decide for themselves, said Fodor's. Wow. Yeah, no, that's pretty strong words, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know... What yeah. are the stats? Uh, the uh, NAACP in the United States as well issued a warning about Missouri and said, you know, if you're a person of colour or you're handicapped in some way or you're gay, then the laws are different for you there and you've got to watch out. It's it's a big thing. That's which nice, is a bit, You know, like, there is some great things to see in Missouri, and but it's, 
you know. Anyway, that's Fodor's. That's not ours, I yeah. have to say. Do you want to hear the whole list? Yeah, absolutely. All right, number 10, they said, don't bother going to Cuba in 2018. It's just too bureaucratic. But I thought now is the best time to go to Cuba before it all changes. Yeah, you know, if you're Australian, UK, from other places in the world, you've always been able to go to Cuba. It's only Americans who've been banned from going there dating back to the Cuban Missile Crisis. So I think it's especially bureaucratic for um, North Americans. But, yeah, I've had friends who've gone there and they've said they've had a great time. It's really a fantastic destination. All right, number nine. Don't go to the Great Wall of China because of graffiti, uh, erosion and the damage that so many people are causing by uh, walking on this magnificent monument. Uh, at number eight is Honduras, and they said that's because of the crime and murder rates, and especially those targeting the LBTQ community. It doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? It does. It? Gay community, I'm sorry. You, yeah. know, you know who you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> number seven, Missouri, as I said. Number six, Mount Everest. And they said that's because of the uh, excessive amount of litter above base camp and, get this, the 200-plus dead bodies that litter the track to hey, the summit. Look, I know that mountain's treacherous, but surely, sure, there are 200 people that are missing. Uh, no, they know where they are. They're just like frozen solid there. They, it, it's just too much. It's too difficult to go and retrieve them. You, wow. It's such a, you know, you're on the edge. It's such a life-threatening experience to get yourself up and back down that you haven't got the capacity to go and get the bodies. Wow. So that yeah, anyway. I won't be doing Mount Everest to put my pen through that. <laughs> <laughs> um, World Nomads Insurance, you're covered for hiking up to Everest Base Camp, but not higher than that. Thank you very much. Uh, number five on Fodor's list is Myanmar. Yeah, look, yeah, because of the genocide of the Rohingya. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's a pretty disastrous sort of situation over there. But can I suggest uh, suggest you read the World Nomads article? boycott or not about whether visiting Myanmar is right for you. I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes. Because I've, I've had relatives that recently went there, but but you also some, sometimes you have to make a moral decision. Yeah, you've got to have the you know your own moral compass. Look, there's two sides to this argument. Um, boycotting worked as far as uh, protesting against apartheid in South Africa, but that was like global. The UN was involved. Everybody boycotted export products from South Africa, and it worked eventually. But there's, uh, will that work on places like uh, Myanmar? And the other side of the argument is that oppressive governments require secrecy to do what they do. Yeah. The people who are being oppressed actually would benefit from you being there and help, and seeing what is happening and helping to tell their story to the outside world. Plus, even if you know the entire nation is complicit in this uh, oppression – by you arriving there and, and bringing a different point of view, you may be able to change, um, you know, the, the position of people and the mindset of the people within that country. But, as I say in the article, it's up to you to decide which way you want to do. You know, it, it's quite legitimate and you have to f- follow your own internal moral compass about what you want to do. Can we share that in show notes? Yep, I'll put it there. All good. Oh, awesome. Uh, number four on the list. It's getting a very long list, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Phang Na Park in Thailand. Yeah, fair enough. Overcrowding, litter and destruction of the environment. Yeah. Yep. They put number three as the Taj Mahal, not because of environmental concerns or anything, but in 2018 the Taj Mahal is going to be covered in mud. Oh, so it won't look that no, beautiful won't, white. Won't be yeah, that, no, okay. they're trying to get rid of some Pins of the discoloration, so it's going to be covered in mud. How romantic. 
Not good. Uh, number two, they said don't go to any place that doesn't want you, such as Venice, Machu Picchu, Amsterdam, and as we discovered in episode one, Kim, mm. Var in oh, Croatia. In Croatia. <laughs> yeah, they don't want you. Those, those places are being loved to death. Loved to death, absolutely. And their number one place to avoid, and it's because of the fragile environment uh, taking a hammering there, the Galapagos Islands. Oh, yeah. that's where the big turtles are. Uh, yeah, all that wildlife there, amazing diving there. Uh, it's uh, where Darwin developed the theory of evolution. So, yeah, there are some pretty unique species right. out there. Put the pen through that. <laughs> <laughs> that's an incredible list, Phil. Thanks for that. Okay. Okay, I've got a question for you on this one, all right? Mm -hmm. Do you check in a huge suitcase when you go travelling or do you just take carry-on? Carry-on, hopeless, underpack, chronically. Okay, I loathe the way passengers push the limits of cabin baggage and I've seen some carry-on bags as big as a wardrobe being wheeled up the aisle and then stuffed into the overhead locker on top of my own small bag. Thank you very much. So how's this? Ryanair, the European airline, has introduced a new cabin baggage allowance rule. Nothing bigger than a laptop bag or a handbag, one each, uh, the dimension is about 14 inches by 8 by 8. Everything else must go in the hold. But Although, but, yeah. <laughs> for £10, it's about oh, 20 bucks. No. you can have a cabin baggage. Yeah. So is it another revenue-raising scam from this notoriously stingy airline? Or is it a great idea to make the flight more comfortable? As for long everybody? as you're going to measure it. I mean, the, we have rules here in Australia on the size of our, our, bagging, our cabin, cabin baggage, is what I'm trying to say. But as you said... You, yeah. you, you, uh, uh, it's overt. You will see people with massive suitcases that should be checked into the... And they always seem to be the last people on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then rearrange everybody else's baggage in the overhead locker so they can yeah. fit theirs in above where they're sitting. And their Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> All right, I want to. I'd love to hear your opinion on this one uh, out there. Uh, leave a comment in the show notes page or email us at podcast at worldnomads.com. Cabin baggage restrictions, a good idea or not? Freddie is the product manager for ITB Berlin. It is the world's biggest trade show. I've never been to a trade show. In fact, this is the biggest in the world. Uh, huge. I've been to uh, I've been to one or two, but nothing as big as ITB. It's massive. It's massive. Okay, well, we'll chat to her as a West Berliner on why that city is one of the hottest go-to destinations. I think I think Berlin is a, a very nice town. <laughs> it's very international, more and more international, and uh, we have a kind of startup uh, scene, which is developing since a while, and uh, many young people are coming, for example, from Spain because there are not enough jobs in Spain, and. Many young people are coming to to Berlin because they hope to find a job, and 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 we have this uh, good nightlife too. <laughs> well, and an awesome expat environment, apparently. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, you know, since the wall came down, Berlin is much bigger, and uh, the eastern part of Berlin uh, is is uh, very funky, you know, more and more. And um, I'm I'm an older West West Berliner, but uh, the eastern part uh, we had a lot of works, and we have still works, you know, to rebuild everything. And um, the the Berlin uh, the in the eastern part uh, there are so much. So there's so much under construction and 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 in all these old uh, fashion buildings now there are young uh, startup companies with young people and we have food markets we have we have a lot of 
A lot, of, lot to do in Berlin, culturally, but also funky stuff, you know. <laughs> Can you off the cuff tell me about some other places and things a traveller should visit and experience? Um, me personally, my family was very focused on the north of Germany. Uh, I went very often in my childhood and even now I, I go one time a year to Sylt. Uh, S-Y-L-T it's an island and it's very nice uh, some people say it's a bit chic you know you have rich people going there but you can avoid this and you have wonderful beaches you have this north climate and also the core the coast in the north you have the baltic sea you have the north sea and people when i tell this i go to the north sea people from australia for example they say oh my god it must be cold you know but it's not you have also hot summers and it's rough sometimes you have waves and dunes and so i love the north sea but the baltic uh, area is very nice too holger my colleague is going often to the baltic sea you have more and more interesting uh uh hotels you know old farms or mm -hmm. very modern uh, uh renovated and some sometimes other europeans comes over in the north of germany and they open hotels small things you know hostels or but chic hostels yeah and uh, the baltic sea is more calm but you have uh, in the former eastern part of germany in the baltic sea you have a lot of very nice beaches and uh, it's a new region and itb uh, next uh, this year has as partner country um, the the northern part of germany mecklenburg vorpommern this is the area around the baltic sea not so far from berlin and they are partner country Uh, for next ITB in March. So is the travel industry in Germany in good shape? As, as, as uh, you know, we have these crises all around the world and many people are a bit scared to travel far, you know, mostly the older people. And that this gave a boom to the German tourism because we have also Bavaria. You have lovely mountains and for, for climbing and for hiking. And you have Munich and also also uh, near Freiburg, um, Freiburg, um, the the south uh, west <laughs> part of Germany is is very near the Switzerland. It's, it's very nice too. I, I have family living there, and I went there for the first time to the Bodensee. This is these, these are lakes. You know, you have wonderful lakes in the south of Germany, and and all these regions are booming since since uh, the world is a bit more difficult you know thanks freddie now the world nomads travel writing guide has been launched to coincide with the launch of the travel writing scholarship to argentina the world nomads scholarships are always hotly anticipated and why not they're a great opportunity to turn your passion into your profession the latest travel writing scholarship has been organized by our very own parents bill amoria parry hey what nationality <laughs> is that Paranaz is actually a Persian. Oh, nice. <laughs> Wish I had a different name than Kim. Kim. <laughs> it's just it's Kim. so Australian. Yeah. Kim. Yeah. Kim. And the beauty of that one is it can be a Blake's name, too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. Perry, tell us, yeah. where are we going on the Travel Writing Scholarship? Tell me about it. All right. So while everyone's been away enjoying their Christmas and New Year break, yep. we've been busy trying to create an all-expenses-paid, life-changing opportunity for three budding travel writers. All right. Um, this year, we're actually taking it to Argentina. Ah. All right. The so- seductive South America. Is that right? <laughs> That's exactly right. The seductress of South America. Um, it's it's a, such a diverse country. Um, there are thousands of stories that need to be told, um, and we want to have three budding travel writers go there, explore the place, and really uncover the stories um, that that make Argentina what it is. So yeah, it's it's an absolutely incredible opportunity for someone who's really trying to get their name out there in the travel writing yep. sphere. You know, if, if they're trying to pitch to publishers but they don't know how or if they're trying to really kind of um, you know hone in on their travel writing skills because we don't just pack you off on a plane to Argentina there's a whole mentoring and workshop tell us about how that works yeah exactly so for the past couple of years now we've been working with um, outside magazine contributor and also contributor to the New York Times um, travel writer Tim Neville yep great writer Tim, Love his work. Tim's super experienced. He comes um, from a ri- wide range of writing backgrounds, and he's very, very keen to kind of share and mentor these three winners um, and give them the information they need to kind of take take their passion to the next level and really turn it into something that they could be earning money from. So Tim will spend four holidays in Buenos Aires with the winners. Yeah. Um, they'll be kind of in a workshop situation and they'll kind of go out there, do a little bit of exploration. He'll come back, perhaps read some of the writing that these guys have got, give a bit of feedback on them. Um, that would be horrifying, wouldn't it? But <laughs> you've got <laughs> yeah. to do it to get better, yes. Yeah. Oh, of course. And, and it's, you know... These opportunities don't come uh, every day. They're, they're very exclusive. And to be able to kind of then say that you've been mentored by someone with, with that, in that calibre um, is absolutely incredible. And, and as I tell all of our winners, you know, the scholarships don't end. Um, when they end, it, you become part of the World Nomads family. Yep. And that mentorship uh, with our mentors kind of continues on. So the previous year's scholarship winners have still been going back to Tim and being like, hey, I'm pitching to Nat Geo Traveller or I'm pitching to World Nomads. Can you give me a bit of feedback wow. on this? So basically after this four-day workshop in Buenos Aires, they'll actually head off on three individual road trips that are, wow. again, all expenses paid. Um, so... Part of the deal we have is we've got a partner called Seweke who's come on board um, and they are basically the masters of adventure in Argentina. So they're going to be taking um, each of the winners on one of their very customised tours. Um, so you could be in Iguazu Falls one day, you could be tasting wine in Mendoza the next, mm. um, you could potentially even be going down to Patagonia and taking um, taking in the glaciers over there. So yeah, um, as I said, Argentina's got so much to offer, you know, in terms of food, uh-huh. culture, people, um, and and that opportunity to then go out and, you know, explore the, the country and write about it, um, and then also get featured on our website. So Yeah, exciting. Okay, there's a process to get involved in all the scholarships that we run here at World Nomads. Tell us about the travel writing one. The, the applications are open. How does it work? Yeah, so basically you just need to go on to worldnomads.com slash create. There's a link on that page that will lead you to um, 
you know the, the information about the prizes but also a brief there so we'll, we'll give you three topics to write about you need to choose one of those topics um, and submit a short kind of travel story so your best travel story it doesn't have to be about Argentina it can be about anywhere so think about a really incredible experience that you've had and that you'd like to share with us and convince our judging panel that you know you have the skills and the passion that it takes to you know take your travel writing to the next level. Are you on the panel? The yeah, we, we I do do a, a preliminary kind of judging, and and then we've Is actually that like got this? <laughs> 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 pen through. Yeah. Nope. No. <laughs> Is that how it works? Well, it is. It is quite a competitive. It's brutal, isn't it? Yeah. We do brutal. need to be brutal. We get thousands of applications that come in, so we really need you to stand out, be unique about it. You know, have a read at the past applications, see how, um, see what people have been writing about, and see how you can be a little bit different there. So it closes on the twenty eighth of February. So you need to make sure you get your applications in by then. Please don't leave them to the last minute because you know the amount of the amount of people that will try to be smashing our service at that time. Um, you know. As soon as you're happy with it, please do submit them in um, and make sure that, you know, your applications have been uh, submitted correctly so that you can just sit back, relax um, and wait for the announcement. On what date? When are we announcing? We're announcing on the 4th of April. Perry, thanks for coming in. Awesome. Hey, no worries. Yes, right. definitely uh, very excited to read everyone's travel stories. Well, before we wrap up, we've got to get the answer to your quiz question. The most watched movie on Qantas in flight in 2017 was Boss Baby. That's a kiddie movie, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. But or is it a kiddie movie that adults like? Yeah, it's got. Yeah, I've seen it. It's got a little, you know, adult sort of cool. theme running through it as well. But clearly, parents know how to manage a long haul flight. Put put the kids in front of a movie, and then order another glass of champagne. Well <laughs> that's done. It. The twenty seven Oscar sensation La La Land was also in also in the top three. The most popular TV drama, because you can stream TV on Qantas as well, was Game of Thrones. What a great way to binge watch GOT, but maybe a bit too gruesome for the passengers yeah. <laughs> next to you. You know what? I've given up on Game of Thrones. It just became far too complicated. No, keep going. Just don't get attached to anything. <laughs> they, they, they lose them pretty quickly, <laughs> yeah. don't they? Uh, passengers also watched 151,000 hours of the sitcom Modern Family. Wow. Well, that wraps up Episode 8 on Germany. Subscribe, rate, share on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Contact us by emailing, as Phil said earlier, podcast at wellnomads.com. Hey, we're off to Peru. Oh, please, get me there again. I love the place. Okay, well, you can share what you found out in our next episode. The World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.